I would invite you to remain in that spirit of prayer, that spirit of drawing close to God. I think that song expressed where a lot of us are today, where we're seeking God. And as we seek Him, we will find Him, and as we find Him, we fall more in love with Him. And that's why we're here today, right? We're here to fall more in love with Him. And I know that just if the prayer list this week is representative of what's going on in the life of many inside of Zion right now, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of sickness, there's just a lot of things going on. And as we kind of started planning these worship, this worship service a couple months ago, giving the scripture to Nathan and then as he started to run with it in terms of songs, um, I have to admit, I had no clue that the invitation that Jesus is going to give to us in this passage probably is the one that so many need to hear at this very moment. So I would encourage you right where you are, just create some space this morning. Some space that as the scripture is read, God can speak afresh and anew to you. And that may mean opening up your Bible and reading along. It may mean pulling out your phone and following along on an app. Or it may mean just sitting there and just allowing the word of God to wash over you as I read this morning. But whatever you need to do, open your ears that you can hear. Hear now the word of the Lord. Mark, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 30, continuing through verse 34, and then picking up with verse 53 through 56. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Now verse 53. When the disciples had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard that he was. And wherever he went, in the villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were here. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have heard the cry and the plea of our hearts this morning. Lord, there are many who have experienced sickness over these last few days. There are many who have been in and out of the hospital with various things going on in their lives. There are many others who are dealing with needs at home, cares that are weighing them down. There are some who are just worn out and exhausted from the season of life that they found themselves in. There are still others that have just been busy and they need to catch their breath. And Lord, we pray this morning that this would truly be a sanctuary for us. That this would be a place of rest, a time for us to curl up in your lap 
to experience your grace in fresh new ways. To receive rest and rejuvenation at your feet. To hear you speak words of peace. Words that bring strength and healing to our lives. And so, Father, now we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see, that you would unclog our ears, that we might hear. That you would give us hearts that are soft and malleable, ready to receive your truth and live it out. And so now, Lord, I ask humbly this morning that you would speak through me, or I ask that you'd speak in spite of me. But I pray that regardless, your word would go forth and that we, your people, would be changed because of it. It's in Christ's name and to his honor and glory we ask all these things. And together, all God's people said, Amen. Well, the promise of the industrial age was an interesting one. And one of the things that I think almost everyone was enamored with was that the industrial age promised that with its machinery and assembly lines, that the work week that we would have would be a shorter one. And that the time that we'd have for leisure at the end of that week would increase and we'd be able to relax and enjoy life so much more. But strangely enough, those machines and the assembly lines, those things that were intended to increase productivity while at the same time making our lives that much easier have actually had the opposite effect. The average American now works more, according to a recent study, than they ever have. But we're supposed to be longer and more relaxing weekends are anything but. They're just brief respites at the end of a busy week. And you know what we do during those weekends? We go home and we do even more work. We come home from our jobs in the evenings and we do even more work. We maintain our homes. We travel with our kids to and from ball practices and sometimes not just one ball practice or two, but we go to multiple ball practices in an evening. Then we come home and we weed our gardens. We take care of our animals. And you can add to that list any number of other things that add just to the busyness of our lives. And what's even stranger is that many times now when we take vacation, whereas we used to go away and we'd go to the beach and we'd go and do different things and just let our hair down and allow the breeze just to wash over us. Many of us now spend us, our, our vacations at home, we spend our leisure time at home trying to catch up on the work on all those things that we've missed out on, all, on all those things that we've neglected to do as we've gone about the ordinary rhythms and routines of life. We still have so many things that we feel like we need to accomplish that that's how we spend our vacation now, doing a little bit more. Many of us this morning, I'm sure, feel like our time is incredibly limited, that we've been given these 24 hours a day for seven days each week, and we need to use every single moment of every single hour of every single day in order to accomplish all the things that we need to accomplish in life. Yet many times we're left looking at our calendars, many times we're left looking at our schedules, even at the end of those days, even at the end of those weeks, and we end up feeling like there's so much that we haven't done. So many things that still need to be accomplished. So many things that still demand our time and our attention. I have to confess, I often feel like that. And I'm sure many of you do as well. But the good news this morning, I think, is we're not the first people to feel that way. We're not the last people to feel that way. In fact, I think we need to look no further than the story that I read from Scripture this morning. This 
glimpse into the life of Jesus and his disciples. I mean, by the time that we arrive at Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and following, Jesus has experienced probably the most productive season of ministry to date. Probably the most productive season of ministry in his life up until this point has just occurred. I mean, think with me all about all the things that have transpired in the days leading up to this passage. I mean, Jesus has delivered multiple messages to very large crowds, and he's had the opportunity to share the good news with hundreds, if not thousands of people on a regular basis. And those messages have resulted in multiple conversations. Conversations with people as he walked along the road. Conversations with his disciples as they were walking along the road. And lives were changed. And then on top of that, he's now called and equipped and commissioned 12 other people to share in this work. 12 other apostles who he's now invested his time in. These are going to be the foundation of what will become the church. This movement of God in the world. But he's not been done yet. He still has more things that he's been up to. He's been casting out demons. He's been healing the sick. He even brought a dead girl back to life. I mean, this has been an incredible season of ministry. This has been a productive season of ministry for him. And all this stuff is good. All this stuff is exciting. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that we look at and say, you can't get much more productive than this. But it's still the kind of stuff that wears you out. It's still the type of stuff that results in a person needing to have batteries recharged. And yes, Jesus is fully God, but He's also fully human. And in His humanness, He's tired. He's worn out. And so are the disciples. And they were supposed to have a quiet day. A day of rest. A a day where they could just get away and spend some time alone with the Heavenly Father. Some time where they could rejuvenate so that their batteries could be recharged and they could once again engage fully in the work that God had for them. But a number of interruptions occurred. A number of things happened. And so they didn't get that rest. But on the heels of that, Jesus sends out the twelve. And we read about that last week. He sent them out two by two and He gives them instructions about what they're not to take on this journey. But they have an important job to do. They're to go from village to village, from town to town, and they're to go and look for that person of peace. And upon entering that village, finding that person of peace, they're supposed to share the good news. They're supposed to get people to repent of their sins. They're to heal the sick. They're to cast out demons. They're to do all these incredible things that God has for them. And they do those things. They do those things, but they come back tired. They come back worn out. And then if their batteries weren't already depleted enough, they get some news that just, it crushes them. It depletes the energy levels even further. They find out that John the Baptist, that he's been beheaded. And the little reserves that they had emotionally are now just completely wiped out. They're gone entirely. Physically, they're worn out. Mentally and emotionally, they're exhausted. The apostles desperately need to have their batteries recharged. They need to hear some good news. They need something that's going to rejuvenate them. So they look to their master. They look to their rabbi in verse 30. And this is what Mark says. The apostles gathered around Jesus and they report to him all that they had done, everything that they had taught. They had a time of testimony. 
They had a time of praise and thanksgiving. They had a time of celebration. And you know what? As those stories began to be shared, as the stories of life change began to be told, it did rejuvenate. They found their energy increasing. Their batteries were being, they were being renewed. It was a great time, but it was short-lived. Because this is what Mark says in verse 31, in case you didn't catch it earlier. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. I mean, have you ever had those days? Have you ever had those days you're worn out, you're exhausted, and then it just gets worse? You know, in my family, what we call those, we call those McDonald's days. Now, we're not McDonald's people. We don't eat at McDonald's very often, but McDonald's can stand for any number of things. It can be Burger King, it can be Chipotle, it can be Taco Bell, it can be Starbucks, it can be whatever you want to call it yourself. But you know what I'm talking about. It's those days, those weeks, those periods of life where we're moving at such a rapid pace that it doesn't even feel like we have a time to grab a bite to eat. Times where it seems like if we take a bite to eat, we're going to miss out on so much. There's so much work that needs to be done. And, and if we just take even a moment, we're going to miss out on some valuable time where things could have been done. Or, you know what, maybe it's a season or a time of life where things are going so good and we're afraid that if we just take the pedal off the gas, that all of a sudden things are going to come to a screeching halt. But those are the McDonald days. The times where we hit the drive through where we stop for that quick bite to eat, but they're not really refreshing times. They're those times where we grab something to eat, but it doesn't really renew us. I mean, it gives us that little bump in energy, that little boost that we need just to create a little bit more, to produce that next little thing, to tackle that next little piece of the project. But then it's not enough because we chase that burger or that burrito with a cup of coffee. Lattes and lattes of coffee. And then after that doesn't work, we pound energy drink after energy drink. And we end up drinking enough monster energy drinks to get this monstrous headache whenever the caffeine wears off. And that's how things are for the disciples according to Mark. That's how things are at this point in ministry, even for Jesus. But I love what Jesus does. And I love what Jesus has to say to his followers. Amid an incredibly productive season of ministry, amid a season of ministry where they are producing lots of incredible things, lives are being changed and transformed. The kingdom of God is expanding in untold ways. Amid a season such as that, this is what Jesus says. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You see, I think in those moments, Jesus does the unthinkable in our minds. He calls the disciples to stop. He invites them to cease working for a period of time. He encourages them to quit producing for a season. To put an end to their labors, if only briefly. Come spend some time with me, he invites them. Let's get away to a quiet place and get some rest. 
It's a request, I think, by Jesus that none of us expect at that moment. I mean, we expect him to say, keep healing the sick, don't we? I mean, the disciples have just gone out two by two and they have healed people. Now they've just come back and they've reported lives have been changed, bodies have been transformed. You'd expect Jesus to say, keep about that work. Let's push the pedal a little bit further to the metal. And we'd expect him to say, you know what? You've been casting out demons. Look at all the lives that have been transformed. Go cast out some more. Or we'd expect him to say, you know what? See that person over there? They haven't repented yet. Go preach the good news to them. Keep about my business. But Jesus is God. And I want to remind you of that this morning. Jesus is human. Yes, he's tired. He's worn out. But he is God. And one of the things that we know about God, according to Scripture, is God is the same yesterday, today, and what? Tomorrow. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And as God, Jesus knows that God from the very beginning has built a rhythm into life. He has built a rhythm into the created order. And it's an order that's often lost in the busyness of life. It's an order that gets often lost in the busyness of our lives. And it's the rhythm of six and one. It's the rhythm of work followed by restful renewal. It's the rhythm of creativity and productivity followed by silence and rest and worship. It's a period of us producing, but then stopping to declare that God is God and we're not Him. That our lives, our time, all that we are belong to Him and are ordered by Him. Come away with me by yourselves, Jesus invites and get some rest. And so they go away with him to a solitary place, verse 32 says. But again, it happens. Again, the same thing happens. This interlude to silence, this, this moment that was supposed to be filled with rest and renewal and peace gets interrupted. You know how it is, right? You sit down in that easy chair and you begin to open up your Bible and you, you're starting to have your prayer time with God and then what happens? Well, the phone rings. Or you get the... The knock at the door. And that person just won't stop knocking. Well, in the case of Jesus, it's a little bit different. A large crowd, Scripture says, shows up. A very large crowd. And that time of renewal is interrupted. It's interrupted by this large crowd who is hungry, Mark tells us. And they're spiritually hungry. They're like sheep without a shepherd, he describes them as. But they're also physically hungry. And all this, Mark tells us, breaks the good shepherd's heart. And Jesus looks at the people. And he has compassion on them. He taught them many things, Mark tells us. He feeds them spiritually. He nurtures them where there is a need. And it's not just the McDonald's day. He takes time and pours into them. And these spiritually famished people are fed and then he goes on to feed their hungry stomachs. But the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't stop in that moment. Something I think far more incredible happens. In verses 45 and 46 that we didn't read this morning, Mark makes it clear, after yet another busy day of ministry, Jesus sends the disciples ahead of him. 
He sends them ahead so that they can get the rest and the renewal that they need so that they can observe that day of Sabbath. But He also sends them ahead so He can stay behind. So that He can spend some time with, my, with His heavenly Father. Friends, I think quite possibly maybe that's the lesson we need to hear today. Maybe that's the lesson that we need to learn. That lesson of six and one. The lesson that for six days we can and should work, but on the seventh we should rest. Because as we reshape our lives, as we reorder our lives along that pattern, a pattern that's set forth both in the Old Testament and again in the New, something beautiful begins to happen. We come to realize that as we observe that pattern of six and one, we come to realize that life is a gift. That the time that we've been given, the, the talents that we have, the abilities, the strengths, even the privilege of working to provide for ourselves and our families, that all these things are gifts. That the very breath that we breathe, the air that fills our lungs, that that is a gift from God. That strength that we enjoy, that too is a gift from God. It comes from God and we are but stewards of it, amen? I didn't hear you. We are but stewards of these gifts. But you know what happens when we don't do that? When we don't order our lives in that way? When we work feverishly, you know what happens? When we work seven days and take zero days off, you know what happens? Well, what happens is we often end up weary. We end up tired. We end up being ungrateful. We end up having a very poor attitude towards this incredible gift that we've been given. But friends, rest is the solution. Because rest renews. Rest renews our eyes so that we're able to see. It gives us fresh perspective. Rest renews our thoughts so that we can begin to think about things in fresh, exciting new ways. It renews our bodies so that we can apply the things that we've been learning so that we can move forward after this time of retreat to tackle new, exciting things that God has for us. Friends, rest is important. Six and one. Say it with me this morning. Six and one. You see, that simple phrase, it reminds us that our life is not our own. That our time is not our own. Six and one, it reminds us that for six days, God who created this entire earth and all that it contains, that for six days He worked. For six days He created. For six days He produced some of the most incredible things that we could ever see, touch, or begin to imagine. But even still, he stopped and he rested on the seventh. Six and one, it's a phrase that reminds us that Jesus beckons us, that he invites us to come away with him to a quiet place to get some rest. To rebel against the busyness of life. To rebel against the activity and the producing that we often become so overwhelmed by. But it's also an invitation to participate in the God-given order of things. So I'm going to ask you today a very important question. Will you join with me in a conspiracy? 
a conspiracy to stand against the feverish pace of this life? And will you covenant with God? And will you covenant with this group of believers this morning to practice a day of Sabbath rest? A day when we take a step back and, and when we rest, and we take a break from creating and producing. A day of rest unto God. A day where we can seek Him. And a day where we seek Him, we find Him. And a day when we find Him and we fall more in love with Him. A day where we spend time with Jesus and time with His people. A day when we pause to stop and worship. To stop and worship this God who has created and who has produced and is capable of creating and producing far more and far better than we ever can. Will you stop and, and covenant with me and others to observe a day of rest, a day when we dedicate ourselves to prayer, to fellowship, to two things that often get set aside and pushed to the margins when we are so busy that we just don't feel like we have time? Will we become a people who observe that pattern of six and one? Let us pray.